Homeschooling is a much hotter topic than I ever thought it would be in 2021 uh, for various reasons, of course. And more and more people are shifting to homeschooling. I think it's awesome. And I've been getting a lot of requests for what curriculum we have chosen to use for this school year, which we just started a couple weeks ago. And to be perfectly honest, I actually wasn't going to like publish a list of our curriculum this year. I kind of figured no one cared or it didn't matter. I'm not a homeschool blogger. I don't talk about it a ton online, just more in passing. So I thought, eh, probably no one cares what we're using. But with all the requests I'm getting, I thought, you know what, this might actually be helpful. I don't consider myself the authoritative source on all the homeschool curriculums out there, but I have used a number of them and I was homeschooled myself. So I know what I liked as a kid. Um, and it's kind of just fun to hear what other moms are using. So without further ado, here is what we're doing for homeschool uh, in 2021 and beyond. You're listening to the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast, where ambitious people master the art of returning to their roots. Have you found yourself disenchanted with society or wishing you could opt out of the rat race? Perhaps you're craving a life that's meaningful and tangible, a life where you can create and produce instead of merely consume. I'm Jill Winger, best-selling author and longtime homesteader. Over the last 10 years, I have helped thousands of families create more connection, grow amazing organic food, and find the ultimate fulfillment through an old-fashioned lifestyle. And I can do the same for you. Now, on to our episode. So we are in our sixth year of homeschooling. Uh, and I also have three children doing school now simultaneously for the first time ever. So my youngest turn is five. I guess she's almost going to be six, but she's in kindergarten because of where her birthday is. So she's five. My middle one will be nine soon. He's in third grade. And my oldest is 11 and she's sixth grade this year. And three at a time is harder than I thought. I'm going to be honest. Um, you know, it was a transition for sure from one to two and two to three is a little bit crazy. So having them all at the table, I made the mistake when we first started that I was having them all work on things at the same time. And that works with my older two, but with my five-year-old kindergartner, you know, they just need so much more help, obviously, they're kindergarten, and she's not reading yet. And so she would be trying to do workbooks, and literally there would be times where all three were asking me questions over the top of each other at once, and it was enough to make you lose it. And I might have lost it a few times. So I'm like, okay, we're not doing, we're not doing this. So I have the older two. We start off the morning. We start at 8 o'clock. Um, I've done other episodes on like our routine and my philosophies and blah, blah, blah. If you want to go back to that. But we start at eight o'clock. I get my older two going. We do math first. Then we do language arts. They get through the subjects where they need me. Then they go into their reading. They have 30 minutes of reading a day. They do that by themselves. And then I bring in my kindergartner and her and I do our stuff together. Because she, you know, she needs me there, direct eye contact, working with her um, sounding letters out and counting. So that's been working better because having her at the, all three at the table, it just wasn't working. And I think it will when they all get a little older, especially, um, Sage, the little one, and she's able to read and be more self-directed. But I just, I just will say three, uh, has been a little bit of a shocker 
but we're figuring it out <laughs> slowly but surely. Um, but beyond that, I've really been enjoying this year. I think, honestly, the crazier the world gets, the more I'm so thankful that we homeschool and I don't have to worry about the things I'm seeing other people worry about. I, I'm, I understand that homeschooling isn't a fit for everybody. I say this with every homeschool episode I do. It's not a fit for everyone. I understand it doesn't, uh, it's not a situation that everyone can make work. So this is never, when I'm talking homeschooling, I'm never shaming or declaring that this is the only way or it's right for all families. That's not ever my intention. But for those of you who have decided that homeschooling is the path you're taking, or maybe you're considering it, I do like to offer encouragement and and support wherever I can. So curriculum is something that homeschool mothers all love to talk about. Um, we nerd out on it, and there's nothing I love more than, well, okay, there's probably a few things I love more, but I really do enjoy getting new curriculum books. Like, I look forward to them coming in the mail. I like how they smell. I like how they feel. They're crisp and they're shiny, and I love starting the new books on the first week of school. And it's kind of funny because I always have those same feelings at the beginning of the school year. And then by the end of the school year, I feel like a uh, war survivor, like army crawling to the finish line with like a black eye and broken bones, (laughs) which I think is normal for most homeschool moms. We all start off strong by the end of the year. It's like, holy crap. I also believe it's the same phenomenon that we have as gardeners. Spring is fun. Spring is exciting you know, by the end of the summer, we're like, dear garden, please freeze and die. Cause I don't want to look at you anymore. I mean, I at least think other people feel like that. That's how I feel now, you know, but similar to homeschooling, right? It's exciting at the beginning. You're always ready for summer at the end. All that being said, I switched up some curriculum this year. We kind of had our standbys that I used for a number of years. And for various reasons, I decided that I wanted to try some different things. And that's one of the cool things about homeschooling is if you get into a curriculum that is not fitting your child or you, all of you just kind of hate it, that has happened to us. Like we literally, I despise pulling the book out every morning. You know, you don't have to necessarily stick with that curriculum till the day you die. You are allowed to try something different. And there's a lot of different curriculums that fit a lot of different styles. And the longer you go, you kind of figure out what styles work best for you. My personal style is I don't like curriculums that require hours of prep on my part. I want to be able to open up the teacher book and have the chunk for that day ready for me to teach without me having to read it, research it, study it, take a test on it, and prep for a million pieces that I have to go to the store and buy before I'm able to teach it to my child. Now, I'm being a little sarcastic, obviously, but there are curriculums like that. And there are mothers who like that and there's nothing wrong with it, but it's not my style. I also like curriculum that combines multiple subjects into one. Also with the possibility of combining multiple grades into one. I'm a huge fan of the one room schoolhouse concept, you know, back like they would have done Laura Ingalls Wilder. You had all the grades in one room. The teacher would teach a subject and she would tailor it to the grade level. Um, but I really like the idea of multiple grades in one. And that's how with three kids, I'm able to hit a single subject like science or history for all the kids at once. Now, obviously, if you have a, a senior in high school and a kindergartner in your house, that's going to be a little tougher. But if you're, you've got some kids who are closer in grades, you can generally 
make that work. So when I find a curriculum that I can, it has a little geography, it has a little bit of literature, a little bit of science all weaved into one or whatever, that's something I generally like. So it has to be simple. It has to be intuitive to teach and it has to be, well, it has to, but I prefer it to have multiple topics. So um, I have a little list here. I'll just kind of go through what I switched from and what I switched to and kind of tell you my thought process. Again, this is not like the definitive, you have to do it this way, obviously. This is just what for my kids and my style, we're just refining and figuring out what we like. So our biggest switch this year was in math. I have used Saxon almost exclusively. And I say almost because I started my first two kids with Singapore math in first grade, which I think gives a really great foundation in mental math. It's awesome. Made them very strong in their mental math skills. But Singapore moves really, really fast. And it was a little faster than I wanted to move. And so once they got into second grade, I switched them to Saxon, which is what I used as a kid. And Saxon is, I was trying to say incremental and Saxon at the same time, didn't work. So Saxon is this um, incremental approach where it's very much baby steps. It moves a little bit slower and they're very simple. You don't need to lesson prep really. You just open the teacher guide and walk the kid through. And my kids did great with it. My kids went through Saxon with flying colors. Um, I have no complaints with that. The only reason I switched is because... I feel like my two oldest have math wired brains. I feel like most people are either wired a little more towards language arts or a little more towards math. I'm a language arts person. Um, My kids are math. And it felt like Saxon was almost a little too easy for them. And when I started reading some reviews, like Saxon has a ton of good reviews. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, But when I started reading different reviews from math teachers or professors or whatever, they were like, yeah, the kids that that were going through Saxon maybe were a little bit behind, just slightly, in some cases, not all. And so I decided that, you know, since my kids excel at math, I might need to bring in um, a different curriculum that would challenge them a little bit more. The other thing I was considering is that Saxon tends to jump around a lot. Like one day you do a little fraction lesson, the next day you do shapes, the next day you do calendars, the next day you do addition. And that's fine. Like, I don't think it hurt us, but I was interested in a curriculum that grouped the topics. So you'd have all the decimal stuff kind of together and you really have mastery over decimals. And then you'd move into, you know, division and you'd have all the division lessons together. So I thought that might be, uh, I mean, it might be, might make sense because that's how I like to learn is to kind of have that big picture of a whole topic. And I wanted to try that with the kids. So we switched to, I never know if it's called mammoth math or math mammoth. It's something with mammoth (laughs) and they're very affordable, very simple books, but it has really high reviews. And I heard a lot of people say they felt like it's comparable to Singapore, but maybe not as hairy to teach. Um, and so we have been doing it for three weeks now. We do two pages a day because the pages are very dense. And that's what the book for the kids grades recommends, like two pages a day, three pages max for the older grades. And that's it. Um, and I'm really liking it because it's a little more challenging. It's make it's pushing my kids a little harder, but, uh, the skills they're getting, there's, a, there's, it seems like a little more critical thinking. Their word problems are very much real world. And I've been impressed. So I think 
at least for this year, we're de- well, I know for this year, we're going to stick with mammoth math. And then I foresee us continuing on with that as we go. But I heard about it um, for the first time this year is actually, uh, I follow Jody Maccabee on Instagram. If you guys don't know her, she's a really awesome homeschool mom who is always sharing what she's using. And I really respect her opinions and she shared about it. So that's what caused me to look it up and research it. And anyway, that's where we're at. So I haven't sold my Saxon books yet. We may go back to them. I don't know. You know, I just feel like so far this is a fit. So I kind of am like this with all curriculum choices. I hold them pretty loosely and we do them as they serve us. And if I ever get to a point where I feel like we need more or less, I'm very willing to switch. Okay, another really big switch we made this year that I'm actually really, really loving is we went into learning language arts through literature, which is a curriculum. I think it starts in maybe first grade. It starts in the lower grades and goes all the way up. And it's actually a curriculum that my mom used with me that I completely forgot existed until I heard somebody talking about it online. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's still around. Holy cow. So the books now are revised. Uh, and we hadn't really done an official, I mean, we, ha- okay. We hadn't really done an all-in-one official language arts curriculum prior to this. We had done easy grammar books or daily grams. Those are really popular and I still have a few of those I'm using. We did all about spelling and we would read books and do things like that. Um, but I didn't ever do like an actual literature curriculum and I'm really liking it. I really, really like these books. There's a teacher guide and a kid's workbook. Each week, you have a passage from a different work of literature, and it's scaled to the kid's grade. So um, right now, Mesa, my sixth grader, is going through, she's reading Carry On, Mr. Bowditch. It's a historical um, biography set in kind of a fiction story. And she's reading that for her reading time, but the workbook has passages from Carry On, Mr. Bowditch. And we, we dissect them, but not in a dry, obnoxious, memorize the millions of parts of speech sort of way, because we've tried that. It didn't work. It's very much living and interesting. And I feel like my kids are actually, they're enjoying it so much more than they have with other language art stuff. They actually say that's their favorite uh, part of school every morning. And the, the lessons are easy to teach. They don't require prep and they don't take massive amounts of time, which I have found is important for my kids. Um, doing an hour and a half of a, of a subject every single day burns them out real quick. And it reminds me a lot like when I'm riding my horse, my young horses, if I drill them on the same thing for an hour, the horse gets sour really fast, especially if the horse is already doing it well, right? It's just a, it's a, concept that's true across the board. And I've noticed my kids, if they're, if they're getting it and we're, we're rolling through it, there's no need to have them do an hour of busy work around a subject. So it's short and sweet. It has a little bit of writing. It has parts of speech. It has, um, punctuation and grammar, and it has comprehension and is helping them appreciate the literature and understand the literature. It's a cool program. They call it an all-in-one language arts. I have chosen to supplement with a few extra little things. Um, I'm still having Bridger, my third grader, do all about spelling because I feel like he needs more spelling understanding than they're getting in learning language arts through literature. I'm having Mesa do a daily gram worksheet every day just because I had the book and I wanted her to use it and it takes like five minutes and it's just extra reinforcement. And I'm having them also do 
There's these workbooks called Spectrum. They're really common. Spectrum writing books. And I have one for each of their grade levels. And they're going through um, about every other day, maybe three days a week, and just doing uh, a page out of the Spectrum writing book. Because writing is very important to me that a child can express, and an adult actually, this is all shaping them into the adults I hope they become, but like an adult who can express their ideas. And I heard Jordan Peterson say, um, he's, he's someone I really enjoy reading and listening to his podcast. He's a psychologist. He says, you know, if, if you can teach someone to write, if someone can write, it means they can um, develop their thoughts and think through the ideas and put together arguments and um, their trains of their thought. And so writing is really important for my, for me and our kids. I really want them to be able to communicate and express themselves well. And so that's why I added that extra writing book in there, just to give them some more exercises. Um, last year with Mesa, we did Institute for Excellence in Writing, uh, the history-based writing lessons through Andrew Poudois' program. And I, I've I think I've told you guys before, I've actually gone through several Andrew Poudois classes as a child. He was near my hometown, so I actually got to learn under him as a kid before he got famous. Um, and I really do love his methods, and he helped me become the writer I am today. I still sometimes think about L-Y words and, and sentence openers when I'm writing for like, professionally. But for Mesa, she was starting to get sour on writing because some of those assignments were just big and it felt like slogging for her because that isn't necessarily her gifting. So we took a little break from that. We might go back to it in high school because I think it's a good program. And I like the history-based writing because they're learning history and they're digging into history while they're writing, but it was making her sour. So I decided to pull back and now she's doing these smaller writing exercises through spectrum and learning language arts through literature. She's actually liking writing again, which to me right now is more important than anything to get her to enjoy it and find flow in it. So, so far that's been a success, but I cannot say enough about those books. I really like them. The learning language arts through literature. Okay. Um, what's next? We've gone back to the story of the world history books this year. We took a little bit of a detour in 2020 and did, um, America's story, which is kind of a Charlotte Mason inspired American history curriculum. Uh, we just did the first book and then I kind of was like, do I do the second book? But we have all of the story of the world books and activity booklets. So we went into that this year. We're doing the medieval history volume. I've decided to try to do a little bit more as far as enrichment activities this time around. I've used these books before and we kind of just went through them quicker. My kids are older now, so we're going to do more maps, more of the immersive things. So they really get that bigger picture. I created a binder um, that has science stuff in the back and their history in the front. So we're just going to keep everything and try to make this really pretty um, notebook. So at the end of the year, they can really see what they've done and enjoy all their hard work. For science, it, it kind of goes with history because I'm using a Beautiful Feet study. Um, and for those of you who aren't familiar, Beautiful Feet is a company that produces um, these amazing curriculums that are based on living literature. So they have a bunch that are history-based. Um, they have one on horses, which I thought my kids would probably love. But we're doing their history of science study. And it, it's for a full year. I honestly think it might take us more than a year to go through it because it's pretty um, in depth. And it's using books, like actual books, 
to teach these concepts. And so it has a teacher's guide and then you buy a whole bunch of books to go with it from different publishers and different authors, but they kind of curate this collection and then it guides you through reading these books out loud and then supplemental activities. I'm really enjoying it. Um, we're reading Archimedes. It's a chapter book right now. And we're reading about Archimedes and his life in Greece and the history of Greece and the maps of Greece. But then we're also talking about his invention. So like today we read about the Archimedean screw and then we watched YouTube videos about the Archimedean screw. And then it also has um, a Doring Kindersley book, which has experiments. So then it has you do experiments on some days and then you have lab reports and journals. It's a very comprehensive curriculum, which I am finding very enjoyable. I have had to maybe cut down some of the lessons because sometimes for my kids, it's a lot like, you know, you'll read a whole chapter out loud and then you're mapping and you're doing a report and you're doing glossary words and you're doing experiments and you're reading a secondary book. Like that's a lot for us in one day of science, but um, we're enjoying it and it's living and it feels fresh. It's not this dry, boring textbook. So I highly recommend it. And I definitely think I'll be using Beautiful Feet for future topics, potentially some history stuff down the road. I just love the idea of living books. I'm, I just don't like textbooks. I love the idea of immersing yourself in a story or in a book that's descriptive, that pulls you in versus a textbook. Because, you know, I always go back how do we learn as adults? You know, we don't learn very well through textbooks, like maybe through your job or whatever, you have to go get certified and you have to do continuing education. But nobody loves that. Very few people are lit up by that. Most of us learn by reading interesting things, experiencing interesting things, we seek out those things that call to us. So I'm trying to provide that in a sense, for the kids as well. Um, what else are we doing? Oh, I found a new little series. We actually started reading them this summer. My kids didn't want to wait. They love them. But we're going to continue reading them throughout the school year. Uh, the Tuttle Twins, you may have seen those. They're all over the internet. Um, really neat for kind of um, some social studies stuff, teaching about how government works, um, everything from entrepreneurship to... Uh, the origin of rights to the law to inflation and the markets and things like that. And they're small, short chapter books that a elementary kid could easily read, but they have colorful pictures and they tell kind of a story with little cartoons. And I know my sixth grader, Mesa, is very much enjoying them all the way down to my five-year-old who doesn't understand all the concepts, but she likes to sit and look at the pictures but they create some fantastic discussion. And so I've really been enjoying those, um, you know, so much. So like the kids are just really understanding concepts and it's helping me understand concepts better too. The other day, uh, Bridger said something about, um, I can't remember, like, why did, you know, stamps, I can't believe how cheap stamps were because he found an old stamp that was only a couple pennies. He's like, wow, stamps were so much cheaper. And Mesa's like, yeah, that's because of inflation. <laughs> it's like, oh, you're listening. So just, I love those conversations with our kids, especially in our current times. I really want to give our kids the tools to be able to navigate whatever the future holds. I feel like uh, we're going into a very interesting time in American history. And I want my kids to be very well-versed in issues and understanding uh, freedom and why things are the way they are and rights and how our country came to be where it is today. So I love those topics with my kids. Super fun. Highly recommend the Tuttle Twins. Uh, beyond that, I think the only other thing we're really doing 
is I just have them read 30 minutes a day after school. And like I said, Mesa is reading um, really good books that accompany her language arts curriculum. So right now it's Carrie on Mr. Bowditch. And I think after that, I'll have her read The Bronze Bow. Bridger has, I have some old paperbacks that were written, um, I don't know, 70s, 60s, 70s. Like one was a biography of Lewis Braille. And then um, one's a story about Blitz the Fire Horse. And they're chapter books. And um, they're just really good for his level. And he's finding those really, really interesting. So that's what I have them read for school. And it's I, I'm making sure what they're reading for school is something that they're interested in as well. Because my kids, like I said, are more math oriented. They're not quite to the point, much to my dismay, actually. Because <laughs> I, I was the kid who constantly had a book in front of my face. And my kids, generally, if they have free time, they're going to be outside. They don't necessarily reach for books by default, but I'm trying to leave interesting books around the house and find books that are interesting to them and exciting and evoke emotion so they feel more drawn in. So that's been working well. They don't hate reading, but like I said, they just don't necessarily pick up books of their own accord yet. I'm working on that. But we do read out louds um, and I make sure they have good stuff available to them that they're working through it all the time. So those are my older two. Um, Sage, the kindergartner, it's kind of weird to go back to the beginning. You know, this is my third time now. And I had to kind of remember what I do for kindergarten because it's been a couple years. So for her, we're using Explode the Code for phonics and working through it very slowly. Um, we're doing a really simple, I think it's the Spectrum Math, similar to the Spectrum, spectrum Writing, but just she loves workbooks. That girl wants to write, like obsessed with it. So I... I get her workbooks. Not Workbooks aren't great for every kid, but for her, she loves it. I actually have to slow her down to make sure she's understanding the stuff because she just wants to copy and trace and write. So we have a Spectrum kindergarten math book. I feel like, honestly, a lot of kindergarten math doesn't need to be taught from a textbook or a workbook. Um, a lot of it is counting and blocks and shapes and um, Sage loves card games. And so we've been using a deck of cards to get numbers and uh, understand which number is bigger and matching numbers and things like that. So I think a lot of manipulatives, honestly, are kind of even more important than books. But since she's a workbook kid, I have that for her. Um, we're doing a hundred or how to teach your child to read in a hundred easy lessons just to get her started. And then I think I'm going to transition her to all about reading once she gets a little further with her phonetics. Um, I love all about spelling. It's easy to teach. It's incremental. And I think all about reading would be a great transition into all about spelling. So that's my plan. But right now, you know, kindergarten for us has never taken more than 30 to 60 minutes a day. You know, I feel like their attention spans are pretty short. And so we keep it fun. We keep it light. We keep it fresh. And I, with my other two, I felt like that was all they needed. It was very simple and it definitely prepared them for first grade and beyond. So that's what we're doing with her. She loves school. She is obsessed with school. Um, she keeps telling me, mom, you need to learn me how to read. And I'm like, well, we're, <laughs> we're working on it. Also grammar. But anyway, so that's our year. Um, it's been fun to sink into just like 
being more of a experienced homeschool mom, because I feel like when you're first starting out, there's just that inevitable uncertainty and you're not sure if you're going to completely screw them up or if they're going to be light years behind. And I talk to new homeschool moms all the time and that's their biggest thing. Oh, I'm not doing, you know, right by my kids. I'm, what if they go back to public school someday and they're super far behind? And I just want to reassure you that, um, as long as you're showing up and doing the work and, you know, you're paying attention to what your kids need, you know, your kids better than everybody and, um, trust your gut, trust your intuition. And you have everything you need. You have the tools and the skills and the ability to educate your kids. And I know sometimes, you know, the argument is, uh, oh, well, how can a mom possibly teach her children when it, you, it's required to have a bachelor's degree to be an elementary school teacher. And I just, I just don't think that's a valid argument because, you know, a mom knows her kids and you have curriculum that does the heavy lifting. As long as you're finding that curriculum that you love and that your kids, um, I'll say love is maybe a strong word. Not all kids love all curriculums, but curriculums that fits their style of learning. You can do this. And, um, there are plenty of very successful, very smart adults who were homeschooled by their moms or their dads and have gone on to do great things. So you don't have to have a bachelor's degree to do this. If you do, that's great, but it's not absolutely necessary. So I just wanted to speak a little word of encouragement over you. You got this. Don't be afraid to find curriculum that fits you better. If you're just beating your head against the wall, there's a lot of options out there. You're not stuck. So I'm always very excited. If I find something that I think is going to work better, I'm going to do some research and figure that out. So that's my, that's my scoop for you today, friends. Um, hopefully that was helpful. I'd love to hear um, if you tried any of the books I mentioned today, what you think of them. If you are using them for various years, uh, yeah, love to hear your thoughts. It's always fun to talk curriculum, so shoot me an email. And in the meantime, you can keep up with me over on Instagram. Um, I share a little homeschool things every once in a while over there, along with lots of other pieces of our life. I actually changed my Instagram handle um, as of late. Instead of at the Prairie Homestead, it's at jill.winger. And my content is still around homesteading and um, opting out of systems and being a rebel, but I just decided to update that handle just a bit. So if you see that different, I haven't been hacked. I just wanted to give you a heads up. So thanks for listening, friends, and we will catch up on the next episode of the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast. <laughs>